This is your host, Tara, and I want to say thank you so much for listening to the Choosy Money Podcast, which can be found on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iTunes. Follow me on Instagram at Choosy Money or send me an email at choosymoneypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Leave me a like, subscribe, a review, or comment. Thank you so much. Remember, be choosy with your money. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Choosy Money. This is Tara, your host, and I'm back again. Um, Welcome, everybody. I hope that everybody is doing well, that you've been having a great week. And today we are going to get into a topic that I'm sure you know of someone who has them. If it's not yourself, a friend, a family member, a coworker, someone in the realm of you and your immediate circle or people you know have one of these things. And that is student loans, right? Everybody or a good majority of Americans have a student loan. Um, It's not anything I think that should be frowned upon. It's not like, you know, we took these and didn't know, yes, that they would have to be paid back. But also we expected to be able to get jobs that would afford us to be able to pay these back, right? Within a timely manner, not for the rest of our lives, not for a decade, not for two decades. You know, it's just, oh man, it's just a, it's just a really, really big hot topic right now across the board with everyone. Um, so just to give a little bit of background of student loans, I, I enjoy history. So I always kind of want to give, you know, how do we get here? trillion dollars yes trillion with the t of debt right total student loan debt in america how how did we get there how how, first off how did student loans even come to be because i didn't know so the year was 1957 and it pretty much launched what is considered or has come to be known as the space race um enter the president who at the time was dwight eisenhower um And he was very much like, okay, you know, we need to be able to compete on the world stage. Uh, At this particular point in time in history, less than 8% of Americans had bachelor's degrees, right? And as you can probably guess, the people who did have bachelor degrees, (laughs) the demographics were white and they were males. So 1958 rolls around, Eisenhower signed into law the National Defense Education Act. Um, It was pretty much student loans for students whose academic background indicates a superior capacity or preparation in science, math, engineering, or a modern foreign language, right? So he created these student loans because he wanted people to focus in pretty much the STEM careers, science, math, and engineering. So essentially he wanted to do this so we can be, we could beat the Soviet Union in this quote unquote space race. Or other countries, I guess, that were to come behind us, right? 65 rolls around. Johnson's now president. He turns around and signs what is called the Higher Education Act, right? This created low interest. It was a pretty much a created a low interest loan program for everyone. So 
it pretty much opened up the doors for um, low-income students, marginalized people, black, um, people of color, any anyone who pretty much wanted to go to school now had the opportunity. So that's a great thing, right? Um, so Sally Mae was pretty much birthed out of this whole thing in the 70s. So 73, so within doing my research, I, I figured out that Sally Mae was actually a servicer of these loans, right? So Sally Mae used to do federal loans, but now they're no longer a federal servicer. They are a private lender. So 1972 rolls around and grants were then created and you don't have to pay it back. So that's a positive thing for grants. Grants are pretty much still available. Um, I didn't even look into grants. I don't know why. But if you can get a grant, if you have a student that's coming out of high school soon or you yourself are going for your undergraduate undergraduate degree, definitely look into grants because that's a great option. Something that you don't have to pay back. We'll fast forward to 1992, right, was the creation of FAFSA. So the government pretty much created this um, application process called FAFSA and the unsubsidized Stafford loan program and the direct loan program. So all of those came about in 92, 2001, Clinton turns around and makes student loan payments tax deductible, which kind of helps out. You can, you know, the interest that you pay, you can write off, write off a portion of that on your taxes. Um, it's, I believe it's still $2,500. You can write off if you've paid that in interest. 2007 Bush second one, uh, son Bush created the income-based repayment plan and also the public service loan forgiveness plan. So, and then just to cap it off in 2015, Obama created the revised pay as you earn repay um, plan. So that caps your monthly payments at 10% of your income. And then the income-based plan is pretty much the same thing. It's about 10 to 15% of your income. So as of today, we have $1.59 trillion. That is a lot of money that people currently are holding and attempting to pay every month, right? Everybody's trying to get rid of this student loan debt. I personally feel like it holds me back from being able to do other things. I know other people who it's prevented them from being able to buy homes being able to buy cars, you know, a lot of times what they're getting paid is not even equivalent to be able to make these payments. So with the government coming up with these different types of repayment plans, they do have uh, quite a few, which can be very confusing. Um, Just to name a few, it's called, they're called repay, um, pay. They also have something called income-based repayment and income contingent repayment. So pretty much there in some form of variation, you will have to go to, you know, if you can, if you go to uh, the federal website for student loans, you can find a lot more information. Or if you contact your, your, whoever your student loan servicer is, they should have information on their website. I know mine does. Um, I'm currently with Mohila. Most of these payments, uh, most of these, excuse me, most of these plans, these repayment plans do cap their monthly payments at 10 to 20% of your discretionary income. Some of these do forgive the remaining balance after 20 or 25 years, but it does depend on the plan. So you'll have to look into that. So let's talk about uh, education here in the United States, right? How much is an education? I mean, how much does it really cost someone to get education? 
a four-year degree, right? So just a few figures for you. The average debt for a bachelor's degree is 28000 And these are approximates, about $28,950. So let's just say, okay, you get your bachelor's, $28,900. You want to go to grad school. Grad school, and they categorize this as, um, it was categorized as master's and PhDs for grad school, right? That would cost you about $71,000. So let's say getting your master's or your PhD isn't your thing. You want to, hmm, let's just say you want to go to med school. Well, med school is going to cost you about $201,000. Say you you don't like medicine, but you do want to be in the medical field, so you want to go to pharmacy school. Pharmacy school costs you about $179,000. Uh, and then if med, pharmacy school, med school, master's isn't your thing, you say, oh, I'm going to go be a dentist. That is going to cost you $292,000. And that's just average debt. So that's, you know, God forbid you don't finish on time and you have to go another year, repeat some courses or life happens and you have to stop and come back. You know, so this is just an average number of debt for these degrees, right? And don't get me wrong, these are degrees that are advanced education degrees, but a lot of people have chosen to go into these fields and these are what these people are facing. Or I I shouldn't say these people, this is what I'm also facing also at a lot of people that I know because statistics show that about 43 million Americans have student loan debt. 43 million Americans. It's just unbelievable. And if you break down further into who owes this money, right? What age range owes the greatest amount? Greatest amount is owed by those between the age range of 35 to 49. And I fit right into that age range along with plenty of other people listening, plenty of other family members, people you work with. That age range, 35 to 49, owes more than $600 billion dollars of student loans. So by that time, you got to think about it. You've probably bought a house. And if you didn't buy a house, you want to buy a house or some people do, some people don't, but we'll just say for me, you know, I have a mortgage. I have two mortgages. Actually, I got to get to work. I need a car, which leads to gas, which leads to maintenance. You got to eat, you got to close. You have to have shelter you have to, you know, um, healthcare, all these auxiliary bills, you have to have lights, water, things of sustenance, food, you know, all of these things that are necessary. And on top of that, you have this student loan debt that you are carrying around as a, a, another bill that is a priority bill. They feel like it's a priority bill. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be, but I think something definitely needs to be done about the student loan crisis. To even further break down these statistics, you know, it was just mind boggling to me to figure out and to see who really owes this money. You know, everybody of all different demographics owe student loan debt, right? But to zoom in on some alarming figures, you know, among all borrowers, uh, women borrow more money. And this was according to 2020 data by the American Association of University of Women. And black students tended to borrow more often and at greater amounts compared with all other races and ethnicities. 
And that's according to federal data. So I wonder why. Why, why is that you think? I don't really know what the real answer is to that and as to why. Is it because we don't have the financial literacy earlier on? You know, I know we, you know, a big majority of the black community doesn't come from families that can afford to put them through school or even help them through school. You know, a lot of kids are taking out 100 percent of student loan debt just to get through school. And I think education should be a human right of everyone. If you're an American citizen, you should have the right to higher education past K through 12. And I think it should come at a price that is affordable and affordable for everyone. So, you know, I know a lot of states now are doing um, a, a, a portion of free schooling as far as college goes. But I mean, this is a bigger thing that I think should be taken over on a national stage. You know, I think the financial literacy portion should be incorporated into the high schools and into the class classrooms because it may spark the thought process for kids to, you know, look at different options. You know, not everybody, you may not even need to go to a formalized four-year college to do what you want to do. And I think if it's presented as to, hey, you know, are your parents able to help you through school or exposing them to scholarships or grants or that whole process of being able to get this free money that's out there. And if you're not able to do that or you don't have that, this is what you're looking at. You know, you are looking at 28000 for a bachelor's degree that you may or may not use, right? Because I think we all know people who went to school and got a degree and don't even work in that field. And a lot of them make way more money than they ever could have in what they're doing now versus what they got a whole four-year education degree for. And that's not to knock colleges. I think... I think knowledge is power. You know, I think that the only way that you will survive tomorrow is if you, you know, use what you've learned today and use the assets around you from education that education has given you to put yourself in a better, better position for further down the road. Right. College isn't for everyone. Right. But it, depending on what area you grew up in, that's what most parents push. Go to college go to college, get your education, get a degree. You know, that's what my parents pushed. And it turned out, it worked out well for me, right? But I also know people whose parents pushed them to go to college. They turn around and they don't even use this degree. And now they have these student loans that they have to pay back, right? And that kind of creates a resent, resentment. Whereas, you know, these people know that they have to pay it back, but are they going to be pressed to pay it back? Hmm. I probably wouldn't be. And, you know, it's funny because me and my sister were having a conversation the other day and I was saying like, you know, a lot of stuff that you even learn in college, you don't really use. Like you use the core of what it is that you need to perform whatever it is job that you're going to be doing. All that other filler stuff. Why can't we cut that out? Why can't they, you know, adjust college to be, you know, core things that you need to know like why is it that I have to get all of these supplemental classes to get this degree that would have cost me $28,000 had I gotten an under undergraduate degree I just don't it just boggles my mind I don't I don't really understand it but it's very confusing 
but these schools have determined the prices and, you know, private schools have gone up and everything has gone up private, public, you know, it's, it's so unfortunate for kids who really want to go to school and can't afford it. And then they have to be inundated with these student loans and they spend the next 20 years trying to pay them off. So let's talk about possible ways to prevent student loans, right? So with every issue, you know, it's always good to have solutions, right? There's scholarships, there's grants. We can expose those students to that at an early age, you know, freshmen coming in, you know, to, to high school, start talking about that in, in the school system, you know, start, start opening up their minds and saying, Hey, if you're thinking about going to college, you probably want to start looking into scholarships, possibly in the, you know, feel that you want to pursue a good website to check out is myscholly.com and it's M-Y-S-C-H-O-L-L-Y.com has thousands of scholarships on this website that you can, you know, apply for and all different types of things. So another thing, and this is for mostly the parents listening, um, save early, you know, start that college fund or it may not even be a college fund. Start that fund if you want to help your kid jump out there on the right foot. Maybe they want to start a business. Maybe they want to invest in something when they turn 18 and finish high school and they say, hey, I don't, I don't want to go to college, but I, I have a business idea that I want to do. Maybe you want to help them with that. So start saving early. It doesn't have to be for college. It could be for whatever it is that you want them. They want to do with the money or you're okay with them doing with the money. Also look into community college or free college if you're in a state that has that or in an area that has that. And also look into trades. Trades have blown up. Like plumbers, can I tell you, a plumber is expensive. And if you call him on the weekend, oh, he gonna get paid. Or she, he or she is gonna get paid, okay? Like I have had plenty of times where I've had to call out a plumber on a Friday night or Saturday night to my rental properties. And when I get that bill in the mail or when, when I have property management. So when I see that bill for the month and I'm like short a hundred or two $200 on my rent or on my proceeds payment. And I'm like, Hey, what happened here? And I go, look, Oh man, a plumber had to come out on a Friday. It's after hours or Saturday is, you know, it's after hours on a Saturday. They are getting paid. Okay. Also another good trade I think is barbers. Like, Barbers and beauticians. Um, I think that is, you can't go wrong with that, right? Because I'm going to get my hair done and she charges, okay? And I pay it because one, I don't want to do it myself. You know, I think the hair care industry is amazing as far as like the potential of what you can make. So definitely don't um, rule out trades. Like trades are a big, big thing. Those are definitely possible ways to prevent student loans. Um, I offer this list. Um, the only one factor that I took into account, I definitely had a lot of scholarships going into undergrad. Um, when I went to undergrad, I had scholarships from, I mean, everywhere. Like I remember I got a Target scholarship for like a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars. Um, different scholarships from churches, uh, company. I mean, just anything that you can think of, like the state, our state gave away, um, if you had certain GPA or I can't even remember now, but I believe it was based on GPA, but we have the lottery in South Carolina and a portion of that 
would go towards scholarships, kids who got certain grades or whatever at the state schools, um, schools, high schools that were within the state of South Carolina. And they gave out so many scholarships. So it was really, I mean, it's, it's free money everywhere. You know, me and my sisters, we have a scholarship program. It's called, um, footsteps of three Bradley doctors scholarship. And we pretty much give out scholarships to students who are going into STEM programs. Um, they have to have a certain GPA um, it doesn't matter what school you go to. We don't care about any of that. We want you to, you know, STEM is an underrepresented um, field for African-Americans, people of color. And we just want to encourage people to like go into those fields. If you're interested in math and engineering and any type of science program, we want to encourage you to follow that dream. I think sometimes, you know, students of color kind of get discouraged because, you know, you get in these classes. I can remember being in undergrad and I'm in organic chemistry and nobody looked like me, (laughs) you know, it may have been one or two faces, but nobody looked like me. And the further up in these math and science classes I went, no one looked like me. Like it was me. So that is already an intimidation factor because, you know, you feel like, well, man, am I able to cut it? Can I do this? Can I, you know, and just as all transparency, I freaking failed organic chemistry one. Like I failed. I can't, I can remember I came home that semester, the end of the semester and I cried and my mom and dad was like, it's okay. Like it happens. You know, they were at that point where they're like, Hey, it happens, but what are you going to do about it? You know? And I think that really kind of flipped on the switch for me. Like, you know, they were very encouraging, like, you can do this. So I think that also plays on to black people's and black children's, um, I don't say children, but black kids, um, you know, mental when you're in those situations and it's only you and you have to, you know, you feel like the world is on your shoulders because that's how I felt. Like I felt like, you know, if I fail, like everybody's going to, you know, these people, they're not going to know what grade I have. Right. Unless I tell them, but in my mind, you know, I would feel like a failure and all these other people around me, oh, they can do it. Why am I not good enough to do it? So, you know, we definitely want to just encourage, encourage, encourage black kids to go out there and, you know, just fight for what you want. You know, nothing's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. I can tell you that. Even when I got into pharmacy school, I went to an HBCU for pharmacy school. So it was like culture shock, right? (laughs) I went to a PWI for undergrad and I turned around and come to HBCU and it was like, class was like beautiful. It was melanin everywhere and not just black. I could now feel comfortable enough to, you know, reach out to my classmates and say, hey, I need help. Do you understand? You know, it's almost like we just spoke a different language. And I think that's so important for people to experience. You know, I, you know, this is going to be my little plug for HBCUs. I love my HBCU. And I will just say this. I feel like you have the rest of your life, right, to go out into this world And if you're in corporate America or just in general, you have the rest of your life to wonder if you're going to fit in and see, 
you know, have to adapt for someone else, have to maybe change who you are or put on a different face when you go to somewhere. So if you have the opportunity, you know, HBCU is a place where you can be yourself for four years. You know, you can feel like you're home. You can feel like it's an extension of your immediate family or your immediate household you came from. And I think that that was an amazing point and part of my life, you know, where I didn't have to question if I fit in, question if I was able to do this program, question if I was good enough. I didn't have to do that. And I think that set the stage for me going out into this world that has been at times unforgiving and cruel, unfair, bias, you know. So I'll just say HBCUs are a great asset to America, to the black student, not only to the black student, but to the white student who goes there and can understand and see the great culture that we have, the amazing camaraderie that we have with people you don't even know. But at the end of the day, you guys can come together and get through what, whatever it is that's going on. You can party together. You can go to church together. You can do all these things together. And that moment in time will, I think, shape the rest of your life. So, you know, if you guys out there listening didn't go to an HBCU, ask someone who went to HBCU. Ask them what, what, what was probably one of the best times of your life. And I guarantee you, they will say when they was in college at an HBCU. <laughs> And I could be wrong, you know, that's just my bias and how I feel about it. And, you know, at times it makes me emotional because, um, you know, some, some HBCUs have fallen by the wayside and have been overlooked and it's just unfortunate, you know, it's just unfortunate. So, but getting back on topic about these student loans, because it definitely was expensive, (laughs) my HBCU that I went to, but. I take nothing away from it. So I think that, you know, you've gotten these loans. It's time now to come out of school and figure out what we're going to do, how we're going to pay for this, you know, what's going on. So I think you should definitely budget. If I can go back and tell myself anything different coming out of school, first I would say focus on paying these off, right? (laughs) As soon as they go into repayment, focus on making this a priority. Before you buy a car, before you buy a house, before you buy any of these other luxury items. And I call it luxury items because if you have stable shelter and you have a car that runs and you don't really need anything, then it would be considered a luxury item, right? Or at least for me, that's how I look at it. So if I could look back and tell myself anything, I would say, hey, Tara, (laughs) we're going to put a budget in place for this repayment, right? And... You know, you just have to make a choice, right? This is where your choosy moments come in. So you've already chosen to be choosy and say, you know what? I'm going to this. I'm going to get this $179,000 degree, which is what pharmacy school costs now or somewhere around in the neighborhood. And okay, it was choosy. All right, cool. Now you have this degree in hand. You got the job, hopefully, because it was a little shaky for a little past couple years for pharmacists out here. But you have this job now. 
and you say it's time to it's time to make a choice. What you gonna do? You gonna be choosy? You not gonna be choosy? We going to get a new bag? What we gonna do? We gonna, we get in the house? What what we what we pulling up to the pharmacy and? So this is the critical moment where you make that choice and you say, okay, I'm going to grind it out, out the gate. I'm going to grind it out. I'm going to put every extra dollar that I have within me, you know, within, within reason, and I'm going to pay it off or we going to get the house, two car garage with the, you know, with the bag and the watch. And I'm going to just let it linger around for another decade or so. What are we going to do? I am not here to pass judgment. I am here to tell you and encourage you to be very choosy about your decision. The more and more I become debt free and the more and more I become financially independent and financially stable, the more my mind opens up to the things that I want to do. Right. And the more I'm going to be able to do the things that I want to do. You know, I really want to. Um, pursue and look into fire financial independence retire early right maybe not the re part maybe not the retire early part but to become more and more financially independent to where i can be at the place where i can be choosy and say you know what i have enough money saved or i'm able to have you know i have this set aside and i have this set up to where i may not have to go to work again if i don't want to or I can go and now work part-time and pursue other interests and, you know, do the things that I enjoy, spend more time with my family, travel, who knows what, what the, the possibilities are. The possibilities are endless, but you can't do a lot of those things with debt on your back. Or I know I couldn't. Now, other people may be able to do magical things with debt, but I'm not one of those people and I'm just being real with you. Like I had to become very choosy about what was going on. Then God forbid you just can't make the payments at all. Right. And you go into default, the the loan defaults. So, you know, we may, I don't know if, you know, and that has happened to any of you guys out there, but from my research, if your loan falls into default, right, the total amount will come due automatically, which is like crazy, right? <laughs> so the federal government that can then turn around and they can what? Garnish your wages, garnish your tax returns, and they can even garnish your social security up until you like die. It's just, it's just crazy. The cr- craziness that can go on with these student loans because these people want their money back. And I mean, I get it. We borrowed it. We should pay it back. But Woo. I mean, they are some serious, they are serious with this. So that's why I'm saying they are mad choosy with their money, right? They are choosy with it. You didn't pay me. I'm going to get it out your check, right? So they choosing, they don't even care. They ain't even giving you a choice. They're saying, look, we're going to be choosy about $180,000 and you're going to pay us one way or the other. So you have to get choosy about your money. You know, you and and once again, you know, if we go dig deeper into the default rate, default rates are higher for guess who? People of color, right? It's just unbelievable. Hopefully the Department of Education comes through, federal government, somebody comes through with some type of answer as to how we fix this problem because it's just, it's just terrible. It's just, it's just terrible, you know, so 
for me, my cost of my pharmacy school education, you know, just federally, I'm not including my Sally Mae loans, but federal loans, the total amount that I got dispersed was $102,578, right? Um, as of to date, to date, I have paid off um, $89,645 and I currently still owe $53,000. Uh, $526. And that's because, you know, interest is steady <laughs> accruing, like interest is steady accruing. And it's just, I, I don't even know how to like describe like the feeling that, that I feel with that. I, I just, time has gotten away from me with these student loans. And I hate to say that, you know, I was the person who I mean, I don't hate to say it because I consciously made the decision to do it right. I consciously made the decision not to like focus on my student loans and paying them off in a timely manner. And now 12 years have passed since I graduated pharmacy school and going on 13 years rather. And I still am carrying these student loans. You know, I hope to be finished within the next year or two, hopefully give or take. Back on October the 6th, they made drastic changes to the public service loan forgiveness program because it had been issues. Like people hadn't been forgiven. The money hadn't been forgiven after they had worked 10 years for these companies. And, you know, who knows if, if it was because they didn't fill out the paperwork right or who knows where the breakdown was, right? There's a lot of fingers pointing everywhere, but, you know, it was a very confusing process and you know honestly when I started working for my current employer I didn't I just decided not to sign up for it because I heard had heard how cumbersome it was and honestly I just didn't know if they were really going to pay it off and I didn't want to be bothered with it so I just decided to pay pay it off you know to focus on it and try to pay it off as quickly as I could right um so but they did announce changes and just to let you know you know, only going into detail of this one because this is what I am planning to do. So I'll be able to keep you guys updated on how my process is going with it. But the Depart Department of Education said that they were going to essentially do a waiver that is going to allow all payments by the student borrower to count towards the public service loan forgiveness program. And that's going to be regardless of the loan program or payment plan. This is coming from ed.gov. So this is what they're saying that they're going to do. I don't know if that's really what's going to happen, but that's what it's saying. Um, so it's also saying they're going to automatically provide credit toward PSLF for military service members and federal employees using, using federal data matches. So that'd be good. So next year they're saying that you won't have to, you're going to get the credit uh, without an application, right? And they're also going to review, deny PSLF applications for errors and give borrowers the ability to have their PSLF determinations reconsidered. So I guess to me, that means if you tried to do it and they said that you had an error on it, they are going to review all these denied applications and I guess go back and fix them or allow them to be eligible this go around. So hopefully it will be, um, Hopefully it will be something that they do stick to and they stick by their word. You know, I found that this quote by the U.S. Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, was very interesting, right? He said, borrowers who devote a decade of their lives to public service should be able to rely on the promise of public service loan forgiveness. The system has not delivered on that promise to date, 
but that is about to change for many borrowers who have served their communities and their country. So he, uh, he goes on to say teachers, nurses, first responders, service members, and so many public service workers have had our back, especially amid the challenges of the pandemic. Today, the Biden administration is showing that we will have their backs too. Okay. Okay, Joe. We, we, we waiting. We, we want to see that you got our back, bruh. We are going to want to get this forgiveness, uh, rolling, buddy. So I, um, I mean, I'll, I'll look forward to see what happens. I'm planning on applying in the next couple weeks, so I'll definitely keep you guys updated about it. Um, and we'll just kind of ride from there and see what happens. I'm definitely going to keep you updated on my journey. The student loans is all that I have left. So if I was able to get that forgiven, ah, oh, it would be amazing. I mean, it would be life changing, you know, and it, being 100% honest, I didn't worry about it while I was going through school, but what I did realize I had to pay it back, it became something that I think about every day, right? You know, you move through different phases of life. You want to have kids. You want to buy a house. You want to buy a car. You want to do things that people who don't may not have student loans are doing or may not have the magnitude of student loans you have are doing. But you have to always second guess. It's always a second guess for me. Oh, man, can I afford this? Remember, you got your student loan payment. That's a constant. That's not going nowhere. It's like rent. You know, I pay my rent. I pay my student loans. You know, I don't, I don't think twice about it. I have incorporated it into my daily finance, monthly finances because it's been with me for so long. So I ask you, I beg of you to be choosy with these student loan pay repayments and before you go out and get the student loans. Be choosy, be choosy, be choosy, be choosy, be choosy. No one can hold you back or hinder you but yourself, right? So you have to take that into account. Put yourself first. It's just something to think about. I could be wrong. I don't have all the answers. I say that every episode. My philosophy and my thoughts are just mine. You know, you have your own thoughts and how you feel about it. But as always, you know, I hope you guys be you, be safe. And always be choosy with your money.